All right. Hey, good morning, New Life Church. The first of December. It's hard to believe that we're already at this point. Hope everyone had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. And uh, so good to see you guys this morning here at church with us today. We're going to wrap up our series called Together Today. Let me invite you to open your Bibles if you've got them or your smartphones or whatever uh, to Ezekiel chapter 37. Old Testament, it's about uh, just over halfway past the middle of your Bible uh, to uh, Ezekiel. And then it's going to be in chapter 37. We also will have these verses on our screen here today as well. As we, like I said, wrapping up this series that we started a couple of weeks ago, uh, weeks, weeks ago called Together, as we've been kind of looking at and challenging ourselves, and as God, God's Word challenges us, uh, that to be refreshed in our hearts, as our, and as we look at church, that it's, it's just some, it's greater than a place that we go to. Uh, it, it, it's more than something we do. It's really a big aspect of our faith and our relationship with God. And so we've been looking at a few different thoughts concerning that. You can always go back to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, uh, and you can uh, go right there on the homepage and uh, look at those sermons and pick those out over the last couple of weeks in this series. Let me read our opening text today, found in Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip down and read another one. This is Ezekiel giving an account of a vision he had that the Lord gave him. It says this, it says, The Lord took hold of me, Ezekiel said, and he said, I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. It's almost like a text you would pick like at Halloween time or something almost. It says, Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then jump down to verse 10. It says, So I spoke the message as the Lord commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life. They all came to life. They all came to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army. Let's pray today over this. Lord, we seek you today. We don't seek our philosophies or our own agenda, no matter how good it might be. Your ways are always better than ours. Your thoughts are always greater than ours. So we want to hear what you have to say. We want to take away, as we leave here today, your heart. As we were worshiping in that song, fill us with your heart and your love, O oh God. Because that is what will last, that is what will change, and that is what will matter in the hearts of us and other people. So, Lord, I just ask that you would bless your word as we get into it today. Help us to walk away with what we need to walk away with and apply it to our life. And help me to deliver it in a way that would be honorable to you and helpful to your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, and say amen. I want to tell you a story I read recently. It's called Church. The title of the story is called Church. It says the member of, of a church who had previously 
been attending services regularly had stopped going. And after a few weeks, one of the pastors went to visit them. It was a chilly evening, and the pastor found the man at home. He was sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, the man welcomed him in, led him to a comfortable chair near the fireplace, and waited. Well, the pastor made himself at home, but didn't say anything. In the grave silence, he contemplated the dance of the flames around the burning logs. After some minutes, the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a brightly burning ember, and placed it to one side of the hearth all alone. Then he sat back down in his chair, silent. Well, the host watched all of this in quiet contemplation, and as the lone ember's flame flickered and diminished, there was a momentary glow, and then its fire was no more. Soon it was cold and it was dead, and and not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. The pastor glanced at his watch, realized it was time to leave, so he slowly stood up and he picked up the cold, dead ember and placed it back in the middle of the fire. And immediately, immediately it began to grow and began to glow once more with the light and warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached for the door to leave, the host said with a tear running down his cheek, Thank you. Thank you so much for your visit and especially for that fiery sermon. He said, I will be back in church next Sunday. Church. I've titled today's message, Together We Are Life. Together We Are Life. This vision that Ezekiel had, that the Lord gave him, it was a vision that was directly related to to the nation of Israel at the time, and as they were in captivity to a nation called Babylon. And it was, a, it was a vision that the Lord gave that showed that one day this nation, this nation would rise out of the ashes and it would begin to really live life again. But this vision, it can, it can also apply to us today. It can apply to the church today. And as, as, you, as you consider this vision, because there, there are so many scattered bones across the church. As we're in a time where there there are actually fewer Christians attending church today than there were 10 years ago. There are actually fewer Christians, period, today than there were 10 years ago here in America. In fact, nearly one-third of U.S. Christians only attend church once or only twice a month. And as a result, we have We've got discouraged Christians, we've got disappointed Christians, we've got distracted Christians. Really, we've got disconnected Christians. And so this vision that God gives Ezekiel of the nation of Israel, it shows them in this valley. And in this valley, it says that all these bones are are scattered all across this valley floor. They have They were in captivity. They had lost their identity. They had gotten extremely down. They were discouraged. They were disappointed as to where they were at. And they began to express themselves later in this this story that they they said, as God showed Ezekiel, that these bones represent 
the nation of Israel. It says that they express, hey, our hope is gone. We are old and we are dried up and our future is really finished. They don't really, didn't really see anything beyond where they were currently at. They were in this state of mind and in this state of heart. I don't think just because of their captivity, but they allowed their natural circumstances to create this degree of separation within them and within the people itself. It's a question for us to consider today is how often do we allow our natural circumstances to create degrees of separation within us and as a result within the people God calls us to be a part of. So this story goes on and God kind of walks Ezekiel through a, a few series of steps. First, he tells him to see the condition of the people. Has him look across the valley and he says, what do you see? And he sees this, all of these scattered bones, brittle, dry, and broken, all across this valley floor, just scattered all the way across. And... They are completely dried out. So he surveys this land, and he surveys the condition of the people, and he sees the condition they're in. And then the Lord says to Ezekiel, he says, hey, I want you to speak a prophetic message to the people, to the bones. I want you to speak to the bones. And if you can kind of imagine what's going on here, these bones, it's a vision, and these bones are just there. And the Lord tells Ezekiel, hey, I want you to speak a message of hope to all of these bones. Tell these bones that, hey, the Lord really wants you to live again. The Lord wants you to be alive again. In fact, he says, speak to them and tell them that I'm going to put muscles on them, and I'm going to put skin on them, and I'm going to put my breath back into them. Some things to consider with that type of word. He says, tell them first, I want them to live. I really do. Beyond their natural circumstance of life right now, there's more to what I want to do in them. And how many times have you and I gotten so lost in our natural circumstance that we fail to see the bigger picture that God has for us? Because we allow the natural circumstances to become so big that God becomes so small. I had read this quickly the other day, and it was a little story about this, this child asked ask a, a, a grown-up, and I may have been the, the parent, and they, they, they said, how big is God? And the person said to the child, look up into the sky and look, what do, you, what do you see? And they said, I see stars. But those stars are so small, they said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then they got this giant telescope and looked out and brought the star that was so small to bring it so close and how big the star looked. And they said, see, the closer you get to the star, the bigger it becomes. The closer we get to God, the bigger he is. And these bones had forgotten. In the midst of their natural circumstance, they allowed these degrees of separation to take place within them and amongst them. And God said, tell them, I want them to live again. I have a future. I have a hope for them. I have a purpose for them. I have life for them again. They are mine, and they, are, they belong to me, and I have something great for them. And so he begins to speak that to them, and he says, tell them, look, 
I'm going to put muscle on them. In other words, look, I want you to be spiritually alive, but I don't want you just to be able to stand in one place and just occupy a spot. I want you to have mobility. I want you to have strength. And I want you to have spiritual stamina in your life. How many of you know it's one thing to just to be, it's another thing to become. And God doesn't want us just to be. He wants us to become. He wants us to become all that he has created us to become. And he says, I promise you, with this life I have for you, I want you to have some spiritual strength and stamina and some mobility in your life. I put gifts on the inside of you. I put callings on you. And he said, then also tell them, I'm going to put skin on them. I'm going to shape their life. How many of you know our life sometimes without, with, when it, with the vacancy of God, our life would not have a real good shape. Our life would not have a real good shape. God makes our life become the kind of shape and design it needs to be. And he says, I'm going to put skin on them. I'm going to shape them. I'm also going to protect them. I want them to know I am with them. Even in the midst of this natural circumstance, I am not distant. I am not removed. When we go through something difficult or challenging or whatever, that sometimes we think, where is God in the midst of this trial? And he's reminding us that we will have natural circumstances to deal with, but that doesn't mean that God is absent. And he says, I want to be there for them, and I am there for them. Tell them that. He says, then tell them also, I'm going to put my breath in them, that they're not just going to be someone who is, they're going to be someone who becomes because I'm going to put my breath in them and they're going to really live. They're going to have the spirit of the living God on the inside of them. And the New Testament tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So that's a powerful, a life-giving spirit. In fact, we opened up with a song called Ain't No Grave going to hold my body down. That's more than just living here and then naturally dying. That is about the spiritual component of faith that God puts inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit to really live this life the way God wants us to live this life. So he said, so tell them all of these things. And so Ezekiel goes out and he speaks this message of hope and, and, and promise that God gives to all this valley of dry bones and he says, well, what the thing that happened next was there was this rattling noise. And he said, then all of a sudden, all these bones started popping up and moving and going and joining themselves to other bones. And pretty soon, they all became complete skeletons on their own. They actually listened to what God had said. They were moved by the word of the Lord. You know, that's God's word moves us. God's word can only, he can challenge us, but it can also move us into the right place that he has for us. And so he, these bones began to rattle and they began to move and, and they, be, they joined themselves to become complete skeletons. But yet one thing lacked, it said, Ezekiel said they still didn't have any breath in them. There was still no breath in them. Perhaps it's not enough to just, you know, maybe play the part maybe just attend church or just kind of be there. God wants us to be fully apart, to have his life fully fill us. So it's not enough to just show up. It's not enough to just be somewhere or be at a place of worship. 
It's another thing to allow our life to be opened so that we can receive all that God wants to put inside of us. And so he said that, he told the Lord that, and then the Lord told him this. He said, okay, then now I want you to speak to the wind. I want you to speak to the winds, and I want you to command the winds to come and blow and, and for breath to fill their life so that they can become alive again. And so Ezekiel does that. He, he first spoke to the bones, now he's going to speak to the winds. And, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, you can kind of do a little parallel here. Sometimes you can, you can feel like you're crazy when the Lord tells you to do something sometimes. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, that you, you follow the Lord into something, and you're like, I don't think you really know what you're talking about. And like, that, are, you, are, you, are you really looking at the natural landscape of what I'm going through or what these people are going through or what this situation is showing and what it's really reading? Do you really have a good pulse in your hand on what's happening? And, and, and the Lord always does, but he gets us to do these things. And if we'll follow him... That it'll lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and what he has. And so Ezekiel's doing this and he speaks to the wind and he t tells the wind to come and blow and to move. And for God to fill their life with his breath. And that's exactly what happens. These bones come alive. God breathes into them and it said then they, they stood up on their feet together. They were, they were all together. And these bones, the Lord then told Ezekiel, represent the entire nation. Of Israel, a people group. They represent a people group. And he said, they are alive. They are standing on their feet as one. And so the implication that we can take away from that, one, is that this is bigger than just one individual. Church is greater than just one of us. That we have the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And it's called the family of God. It's called the church. And it was about all of them. God was concerned for the one, but then he was concerned for the one to be brought back to the fold. For all of them all to become one together. And that's the description of this story. And then we're going to take the last few minutes here and go through the, the last few thoughts of this story. That when they finally became one when they finally stood up, they had muscle, they had skin, and they had the breath of the living God on the inside of them, and they were alive. Then the Lord tells Ezekiel, now speak to the group as a whole. Speak to the group as a whole. And the Lord tells Ezekiel three things that he, that he wants to do. You know, individually, we're okay. Individually, we're, we're, we're okay, but, but together, when we're really together, we have a force of life unlike any other living organization. That's the church. That is the body of Christ, and God wants to do that. And so he, he, tells, he tells Ezekiel three things that he wants them to know that he wants to do. The first is this. He said, tell them, I want to open their graves of exile question, what, what has held you down? What, what has kept you back? What, what, what seems to always bury you and your dreams and your, and your, your purpose? What, 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 what continues to, to do that in your life? The Lord wants to tell us today that he wants to open our grave 
of exile, whatever has buried us, whatever has caused us to stay down, whatever has caused us to stay back, whatever is keeping us from really living out the full potential that God has placed on the inside of us. Let me tell you, it's always bigger and greater than we give it credit for. And so the Lord was through Ezekiel was telling them, hey, I'm going to, I want to open up your grave and I want you to then, the second thing was, I want you to, I'm going to cause you to rise again. I'm going to cause you to rise again. I like that word again. That just, that means, that, that must mean something. It must mean one, it means that I have been up before, but for whatever reason, I'm down again. Anybody ever find your life like that sometimes through some seasons of situations and things you go through? You feel up and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm walking on clouds. I, I, I'm, I'm just knocking it out. Things are, I, I, nothing can get me down. I have so much faith. And then some natural thing happens. And we find ourselves down again. I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of permission to understand that that's going to happen. That's going to happen to all of us. But it doesn't mean we stay down. Doesn't mean we live down. Doesn't mean we we are there forever. The Lord says, I, "I'm not only going to open your grave and open the door for you to be able to get out, but then I'm going to actually give you the ability to rise. I'm going to give you the ability to get up and rise again. You might, have, you might be down currently in your state of mind. You might be down currently because you've allowed natural circumstances to overwhelm you. You might be down right now. But listen, I'm going to cause you to rise again. In other words, what we need to have hold of is some faith and some hope in the Lord that what, what we, where we might be down now it is not going to always keep us down. What has you down currently is not always going to keep you down. The Lord will provide a way for us to rise again out of ashes. And that's what he tells them. He says, I, I want you to be free to be everything that I have created you to be. But how often do we let things create degrees of separation within us to keep us from rising Truth be told, probably more than we want to admit. But then he tells them this last thing. He tells them this last thing. He says, I, don't, I, I want to open your graves of exile. I want to cause you to rise again. But I also, I want to bring you back to the land where you're supposed to be. With that, I'm going to go ahead and let those of you who are going to be preparing to get water baptized, you can go ahead and get yourself ready. Excuse yourself from the service. And in just one moment, Brandon, the worship team, you guys, give me just one minute before you come back up. He says, I want to bring you back to the land. Here's the thing. God specializes in comebacks. God specializes in comebacks. And one of the greatest tricks of the devil is to deceive people into believing they don't need the church. One of the greatest tricks of the devil is to deceive people into believing that they do not need the church for whatever reason. I'm going to say it again. One of the greatest tricks of the devil 
is to deceive people into believing that they do not need the church for whatever reason. He is so clever at how he does it. He almost makes it believable. He almost makes it believable. He will use anything to get a person to believe that they don't need the church. He'll use anything. He'll use the church to make you believe that. That's how crafty that joker is. That's how deceptive he is. That's how conning he is. Con artists make you believe what they're telling you. Anybody ever been conned before? <laughs> duped? Anybody ever been duped? You're like, dang it, you got me. Not again. Not again. Then it happens again. Just in maybe a little bit different variation. The devil is clever into making people believe you don't need the church. You don't need to go. And he'll tell you everything that will make you think it's true. I can't even begin to come up with a list of lies that he would whisper in your ear. He'll cause you to think about it in a certain way, and then pretty soon you'll start to believe it in that certain way. And no matter what, sooner or later, then there comes this time, and with time comes this distance, and with this distance comes this separation. With this separation, you become a disconnected believer from the body of Christ, the very community of faith that God calls each of us into because here, we're going we're to look at this a little bit deeper here. The devil knows that a church who is together is a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. The devil knows that a church that is really, truly together as one, and the people are connected, they are a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. You know, it's not the size of the church that counts. And I hope I can say that when we even get, as we grow. But I say it's not the size of the church that always counts. It's the strength of their togetherness that will make the biggest impact. Because I believe that if we, even if we were a church of whatever number, throw it out there, arbitrarily whatever number you want to put out there, that doesn't always necessarily mean that we will be a strong church. And even as a smaller size, it does not mean that we'll always be a stronger church. I think the test of our strength lies in the test of our togetherness. Regardless of the size. Regardless of the size. It's the strength of our togetherness that will make the biggest impact. Let me give you one example. The beginning of the church, way back when, in Acts chapter 2. All right, Brandon, you guys can roll out, man. Thank you. In Acts chapter 2, here's what happens. You guys listening? You guys with me? It said this, in Acts 2, 1, it said, All the believers 
were meeting together in one place. You know, you want to know about how many people that was? Take a guess. Take a guess. 120. Said about 120 believers were gathered together in the upper room and they were praying. They were in one place together. Then here's what happens. The Holy Spirit, God pours the Holy Spirit out into this world. Peter preaches a message. His first one after his three denials of the Lord. And how many people, it said, became born again? 3,000. The strength of their togetherness determined their impact. The strength of your life is determined by how strongly you are connected to the body of Christ. To the body of Christ. The strength of your life is directly related to how strongly you are connected to the church. I'm not talking about being joined to some institution, some organization, some denomination. I'm talking about being joined to the people of God. A a way where you open your heart up, where you open your life up, where you begin to build relationships and not have burned bridges. A way where you begin to have connections with other people, not for selfish gain, but for the purpose and the plan of God. Every door I've ever walked through to get me here, I didn't create. The Lord created opportunity for me as I gave myself to the people of God. Because truth be told, I shouldn't even be a pastor. Truth be told, I shouldn't even be preaching. Because if you look at it in the natural circumstance of life, I do not come from a lineage of pastors or preachers. How did it happen? The Lord created it. How are you here? The Lord creates doors of opportunity, but then we have to have the faith to walk through them. He can open it, but he cannot make you go through. And one of the biggest doors that the enemy wants to keep closed in our life is the gateway, the door of the church. To make us think we don't need it, to make us think it's not our, well, it's not, we, I don't need to give my time there. I certainly ain't going to give my money there. Why do, they, why do I even need to bother being a part? Because the strength of your life is directly related and tied to the strength of your connection to the church. All the believers were meeting together in one place. 120 believers overnight became 3,000. The Holy Spirit blazed a hot trail in that upper room. So much so they spilled out into the streets of the city and people were wondering what in the world is going on. These people are cray cray up in there. They're talking some weird language. And then God uses a a fisherman who denied him three times to preach a message. And people, 3,000 people, get saved. 
the Holy Spirit was hot. The gospel was preached and salvations, people becoming born again took off because a group of about 120 people said, you know, we don't understand all these natural circumstances that have taken place in the last 50 days. We're going to do what we know to do, and that is to come together. We're going to pray. And instead of pointing fingers, we're going to bow our knees. And instead of trying to figure it all out, we're going to be patient. And as a result, a huge, huge, massive kingdom impact was birthed the way God wanted it to be done called the church you know together we, we are life as a church every local church together is, is life you know and if, if you can see the story of this vision of Ezekiel where they went from a valley of dry bones scattered and dried up all over the place to becoming one people group united together if the local church today would truly buy into the belief that God wants us together and not apart God wants us connected and not disconnected we instead of discouraged Christians we would have encouraged Christians instead of disappointed Christians we would have appointed Christians walking in their calling, walking in their gifting, walking without apology. And instead of distracted Christians, we would have Christians who were on track for the kingdom of God, regardless of whatever natural circumstance is happening in our life. Today, Maybe you might be here today and you might feel like that one lone ember separated from the fire from that story I shared in the opener. You know, it's not too late. You're not too far gone to jump back in. In fact, truth is, we want you. Truth is, we need you. Truth is, you need us. I'm going to ask you to think about something and consider doing something over the next week. What person is on your mind right now that you know they are not in church? Would you consider asking them to join you in church next Sunday? Think about it. What person that you know is like, dang, I wish they were here to hear this today. And they live nearby. Would you consider asking them to just join you at church next week? Just so happens we are starting a new series next week called Uncluttered Christmas. And I think one of the 
one of the things that the Lord really wants to hit us with and us walk away with, that he wants to gift us with, is, is this in this whole series that we're going to start. Will you make more room in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your family for more of the Lord? I'm not talking about getting all religious and start setting up all these religious boundaries and, you know, doing some crazy stuff. Because it's never really about all of that. It's really about in here in your heart think about it what person that you can think of like man they they are separated from church they're not in church they don't go to church they used to they don't they never been but they should and you want them here would you consider inviting them to come next Sunday to church and here in about two minutes we're going to baptize some folks and I tell you in a hot tub that I think it's not as hot as it normally is because the power went out last night and it's a little cool. So we do apologize to those of you who are getting baptized. It is about 83 degrees, so it is up from where it was, thankfully. So it's not ch- so cold, it'll take your breath away. But here's the thing about all these, these folks who are going to get baptized here in a minute is... As Christians, they're saying, look, I, I'm not going to go solo in my faith anymore. I'm, I'm, not only am I a part of the body of Christ at large, but I'm going to be a part of this church as we welcome new members this morning. They're saying, I'm a part of something so much bigger than me that God is calling me to share my faith with others in this journey and to be a recipient of the faith that others want to share with me. Because there are things that they have that I need and there are things I have that they need. And let me tell you this, if you're wrestling with with this thought today, don't sell yourself short in thinking you don't have anything to offer. Don't sell yourself short in thinking you don't have anything to give. Paul talked about this a whole lot in the New Testament as the picture of a body. And we're all different parts, but it's God who puts each part in the right place so that when we're in the right place, we can function the way God wants us to function. And so these folks are going to get baptized here. I'm going to ask Pastor Lindsay can come on out. James, would you join me up here? Let you hold those. After we baptize, obviously we're going to celebrate like crazy because this is a big deal. We're going to celebrate each one of these. And then after this, I've asked the worship team to take us back into that song called Build My Life. And we're going to end with that song today. And we'll talk about that in a second. All right. Well, today is a very special day. It's a little cool, so we're going to wait until right until we're ready to dunk you to get in there. <laughs> but today I get the privilege of baptizing my son. 
I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get it together. <laughs> My son, Leo Young, who has made a profession of faith to follow Jesus all the days of his life. I'm so thankful that he is in this church family that loves him, supports him. He's a part of a children's ministry that teaches him the word of God so faithfully and supports him. And it is my privilege to baptize him today. All right, Leo. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even in Jesus' name. All right, next I get to baptize my dear friend, Jesslyn Blackwell. It's cold, Jesslyn. <laughs> That's right, she's going to do it. Jesslyn is my fellow soccer mom, my dear friend, and I'm so thankful for the Lord bringing her into my life and into this church and for all the good things that he is doing in her life. Jesslyn, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, even in Jesus' name. <laughs> 